Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Alfred Pennyworth, and I have a story to tell. Batman had trained many protégés over the years, and one of them was the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Saturday Cartoon Alternative. That's right, that's what's going on here with this episode. Episode number 1,264. It is a Saturday, June 3rd. Kimmy, I got one. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? That is a question I have for Kimmy. Should I stay or should I go now? No, I think you should stay. Well, thank you. It's a Saturday. I would like to stay because it's a Saturday cartoon alternative show, Kimmy. And you are actually our alternative cartoon. Oh. Yes. Yeah, it's Kimmy. That's right. Our alternative cartoon here on the Riley and Kimmy show. Now, Kimmy, first of all, I have to ask, make sure you're okay. How are you doing? You know, it's very early in the morning before sunrise as we record this. How are you on this Saturday cartoon alternative day? Well, I'm just fine. That just fine? Not great? Well, it is early. Okay. Well, I have a feeling by the time this Saturday cartoon alternative show comes to a conclusion... You will be fantastic. All right. Might even have a four on your shirt. It might be a blue shirt. You might be Sue Storm, the Invisible Girl. Mm. Who who knows, right? Mm. Well, being a Saturday cartoon alternative kind of day, I thought we'd have a mystery cartoon for you, Kimmy. Okay. Identify this classic cartoon. Tell me the character that you're about to hear. Tell me who it is. Here is your audio clue. Oh, would that I were free. Unfettered and uncaged. To think that I, king of the jungle, should be so lowly treated. Besides, the food is abominable. But hark! Or is it hurt? The cage door is open. A jar even. What a chintzy outfit. Can't even afford a lock. So exit. Stage left. Kimmy, who is that? I don't know. You do not know that classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon character. Mm-mm. You, really, you do not know that cartoon character? No. No, I don't. You're making that up. I'm, I'm not. What is, somebody needs to shout this answer out to you. You really do not know. No. How could you not know him? I don't. Th- that's impossible. I recognize the voice. I don't know the name of the. The character. Right. He's a lion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that help? He's a Hanna-Barbera lion. Does that help even more? He was probably in that Yogi Bear race thing they did one time with all the characters, the the Laugh Olympics or whatever they called it. Okay. Yeah. I never you watched know, he, he that. He would say, exit stage left or exit stage right. I didn't watch Yogi Bear. Well, he wasn't Yogi Bear. That's not Yogi Bear. But he was part of that world. Right. Yeah. You I, didn't watch any... Of the Hanna-Barbera. Well, you well, did. You yes. watched Huckleberry Hound. Yeah. You, you watched The Hound. Mm-hmm. 
I know you know this guy. Nope. I don't know this one. It's Snagglepuss. Oh, okay. You know Snagglepuss? I've heard of him. You... <sighs> hmm. Kimmy does not know Snagglepuss. What is... What's wrong here? Uh, I... You never had a Snagglepuss lunchbox? No. Or a Snagglepuss stuffed figure or anything? Mm-mm. Nope. No Snagglepuss for you? No. Okay. Exit stage right on that one. <laughs> we'll get we'll get away from that cartoon alternative. Well, there we go. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know Snagglepuss. And if you don't know Snagglepuss, be sure to check him out. He's really cool. Uh, yeah. I can't believe she... I, I'm still stunned. You don't know Snagglepuss. Mm-mm. But you know Top Cat. Mm-hmm. So you know your felines. Mm-hmm. Except for Snagglepuss. Got something against him, I guess. Wow. No. Huh? Huh? Just wasn't exposed to him very much. Well, I keep forgetting the city you grew up in. At times, almost like a smaller area than what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know, just at times. Okay, Kimmy, moving away from Snagglepuss. We won't bring up Snagglepuss ever again. Um uh, except next time we're at a nice collectible show that focuses on retro or nostalgic things, I'll be sure to point out Snagglepuss when I see Snagglepuss. Say, Kimmy, that is Snagglepuss. So there we go. How would you like to try other trivia today, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. With uh, nerd and pop culture trivia, I promise one thing, I will stay away from cartoons since obviously um, somebody has a, a cartoon kryptonite going on or something right now. I still can't believe you don't know Snagglepuss. Are you are you able and willing to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia? Why, yeah. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions through the nerd timeline. The timeline, which has been adjusted, is not in chronological or linear order, and we will not be asking her about Snagglepuss, I I guarantee you, or any Hanna-Barbera kind of cartoons today. We'll stay away from from those. Feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy if you think she's going to miss it, like that Snagglepuss question. If you think, oh, if you're saying, hey, I knew Snagglepuss, well, help her out. I think she's going to need it with this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Being a Saturday, Kimmy has something on the line here, a Saturday night dinner of her choice from anywhere in Central Florida. This includes the cities of Orlando and Daytona Beach. She could have a dinner right on the beach itself. It's possible if she gets more of these right than wrong. So you have to help her out. Remember, do not do not shout out Snagglepuss just to be funny, either. She gets those answers. That's right. So yell at whatever you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. We're mobile. We are global. So yell at that laptop, desktop, tablet, whatever you're listening to us on. And by the way, tell your friends who found a place that has pop culture escapism every single day. A daily nerd variety talk show. Kimmy, it is Saturday, June 3rd. The very first question we have for you. Give us the year within five years that the first bikini bathing suit is displayed. What year? Um, 
Very interesting guess, Kimmy. I think most people would think 50s, the bikini. But it's actually, you get the answer, you got it. It's actually the 40s when it made its debut. It was 1946 in Paris. That's mm. when it made its debut. It was on this date, Kimmy, that this individual moved in to the White House. He actually moved to Washington, D.C. He was the first president to live in, you know, the capital of the United States. Which president was the first one to live in Washington, D.C.? John Adams. That's correct. John Adams, 1800 is when that happened. Okay, Kimmy. It was on this date in history, the New York Knickerbockers became the first baseball team to wear uniforms. Was this in the 18th, 19th, or 20th century? 19th. Yes, it was the 19th century, Kimmy. It was 1851 when that happened. It was on this date, Cullen Whipple patented the screw machine. And if I remember correctly, your hometown was the home or the screw capital of the world, wasn't it, at one I time? I believe so. Yes, it was the screw yes. capital of the world, Kimmy's hometown. Yep. Well, Cullen Whipple in 1856 patented the screw machine perfectly for your town, mm-hmm. which was the screw capital of, of the world. And just, what was it, west of your town, wasn't it the pretzel capital of the world, something like that? I don't know. I think that town to the mm. west was the pretzel oh. capital. That, wasn't that why their team was called the Pretzels? I don't know. I, I think so. It was 18... 18- but it was an appropriate name for um, my hometown because if you were born there, you were screwed. <laughs> well, you don't have warm and fuzzy... You don't have warm and fuzzy uh, hometown memories, huh? Uh, No. Kimmy's in a weird mood today. That's great. It's a Saturday. You never know what you're going to get with Kimmy. Never know. It's on this day, Kimmy, in 1888. Casey at the Bat, the poem by Ernest Lawrence Thayer was first published. Have you ever read that or heard it? Mm-mm. It's on this date, 1932. You, you know, come on. I think Disney did a cartoon based to that way, way back. You never seen that? Casey at the Bat? Mm-mm. Hmm. It was on this date in 1932. Lou Gehrig set a Major League Baseball record when he hit four consecutive home runs. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1941. This was first broadcast on radio, and then eventually it would go to TV. Identify the popular program. 1949's a year. It's first heard on radio on this date. What is the name of that popular radio show that would become very popular that would lead to TV? Dragnet. That's correct. It's on this date, 1952, this person recorded... They say some people long ago Were searching for a different tune One that they could croon As only they can They only had the rhythm so they started swaying to and fro. They didn't know just what to use. This is how the blues really began. Who is that recording artist? Frank Sinatra. That's right, Frank Sinatra with Birth of the Blues, 1952. It was on this date, he became the first American astronaut to do a spacewalk, Kimmy. Iconic imagery of that. 
He left Gemini for Space Capsule and floated in space, did his spacewalk. Who is the astronaut? Can you tell me? He would perish in Apollo 1. Gus Grisham? No, it's not Gus. Ed White? That's correct. It's Ed White, 1965. Give me the year this next song hit number nine on the charts. Give me, we are giving you a five-year buffer. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it even more fair because of its obscurity. Give me the decade it's from. How's that? Mm -hmm. Tell me the decade. This, And it's a hit. It hit number nine on the Hot 100, but I have a feeling you have never heard it or don't remember it. Here's your audio clue. Let me tell you a story about a hot rod race force. Lincoln was setting that pace. Story is true, I'm here to say. I was driving that model A. Got a Lincoln motor, a really souped up model A. Find it makes it look real tough. Got eight cylinders, use them all. Got overdrive, never stalls. A four-barrel car, a dual exhaust with four 11 gears. You can really get lost. Got safety tubes. I ain't scared. The brakes are good. The tires fair. Now pull out of L.A. late one night, moon and stars shining bright, driving up that great fine hill, present cars like they stand still. Some fantastic guitar work there. That is a top 100 pop hit, Kimmy, not country. It was number nine on this date in history. What decade? 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. 1970s. Ooh, you know this song. It just sounds like a 70s See, I thought it would throw you. I thought you would think 50s with the uh, certain guitar riffs. And I thought you would guess the the 50s. You are correct. 1972, it was a number nine hit, Hot Rod Lincoln by Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. That is mm-hmm. that is a forgotten oldie. Good luck finding that one in 45. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a long time. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1976. This song goes gold. Identify the song and the recording artist. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. Name the song that has gone gold on this date in 1976. Bohemian Rhapsody. That's correct. By whom? Queen. Correct, Kimmy. I was actually part of an Eagle Scout Boy Scout project while that was right at the top of the Mm. charts. I had to paint. They decided to change all the city... Uh, street signs the person did for their Eagle project to red, white, and blue for Bicentennial. Mm. So we had to paint every single... We had to take the signs down and then paint them. One wow. by We did. The Boy Scouts did. Wow. The Well, the ones that helped the one who was going for the Eagle. Boy, I'll never forget that. But the cool thing was got to listen to WLS day in and day out because we painted all the time. And that played a lot. Kimmy, moving over to something else that happened on this date in history. You, you, This is your world here. This is soap opera world. It was on this date in 1985. After five years, the characters of Nancy and Chris Hughes returned to this, this soap opera. Kimmy, tell me the name of the soap opera. As the World Turns. Yeah. 
world turns. This portion brought to you today by Dawn, the dishwashing liquid that takes grease out of your way, and by Bold 3 detergent with built-in fabric softener. Right as the world turns, 1985, those two characters return. Now, Kimmy, you were a little disappointed, weren't you, that the uh, the sponsor wasn't Lilt. <laughs> Kimmy likes likes it when it's Lilt. It was on this date, Kimmy. The year is 1987. This song was banned by the BBC. Banned, actually, on some radio stations in America. <laughs> I worked at one. Had to pull it. They said, do not play this one. Identify. The recording artist. Here's your clue. Now, Kimmy, what is the name of that song that got banned? I want your sex. I want your sex. Yes, I want your sex. That is correct, Kimmy. By whom? Snagglepuss? No, not Snagglepuss. Snagglepuss did not sing that one. Who is the person who uh, was, well, not banned across the board, but got banned in some places? George Michael. That's right, George Michael. 1987, that happened. Did they play that in your hometown radio station, or were they conservative and said, no, uh, we will not play that? Um, I think they did. Okay. All right. Well... The radio station I was at that time period, they they, they pulled it. Hmm. But still played Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Relax. Still don't quite get that. And played Shebop by Cindy Lauper. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, Kimmy. It was on this date in 2003. This person, this heavy hitter of the Chicago Cubs, broke a bat when he grounded out against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. The bat he was using was a corked bat. Who? Who did this happen to? In 2003, he played for the Chicago Cubs. Mm. Power hitter. I don't know. Come on, Kimmy. Made headlines. I, oh, I'm embarrassed. Sammy I don't know. Sammy Sosa. Oh, okay. Remember that? 2003, that happened? Hmm. Moving over to celebrity and notable birthdays. Kimmy, born 1901, died 1989 at the age of 87. One of the things he's known for is playing Dr. Zeus in Planet of the Apes, the film. I love him in that film. He's the one, He's the, he is the, the head that knows exactly what has happened with man and ape. He knows, and he warns Charlton Heston don't go down that beach. You know, do, you're not going to like what you're going to see, you know, when uh, Charlton Heston's character Taylor has Nova on the back of the horse with him. He's like, "Don't, you're not going to like it." You know, cuz he knows what it is. Now that role had been originally offered to Orson Welles. Welles had no desire to wear all that makeup, so he gives this guy that role and he is now known forever, but he's also known for something else, Kimmy. He was on a certain TV show. He played a certain father Identify the TV show this actor was part of. No, thank you. My dear, I want you to continue practicing your witchcraft in spite of what this buffoon tells you. And daughter, I know that beneath that cold exterior, there beats a heart of ice. And daughter, I take my leave. (laughs) 
How about a real kiss for your old flame? Come on, Angela. Come on. Stop pretending. Well. Kimmy, name the TV show. Bewitched. Now, can you tell me the actor's name who was born on this date in history? I can't. It's Maurice Evans, Shakespearean actor. He would quote Shakespeare. Fantastic individual. Somebody I'd like to go back in time just to... Uh, you know, just to talk to for a little bit. And you can catch him on certain episodes of things in the 60s and 70s. Uh, just to avoid that uh, Love Boat episode he's on. I I accidentally caught that recently. Mm. By accident. I think it's Me TV runs like a almost a marathon of Love Boat. You know, yeah. Decades TV, another retro, did that. They ran 24 hours of Love Boat recently. Wow. Yes, maybe that's where I encountered. No, I didn't watch it for 24 hours. I just happened to go in there, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, whoa, okay. I never, seriously, I never watched Love Boat or Fantasy Island when mm-hmm. they were originally on. Yeah, I, me neither. No, I didn't care to. Mm-hmm. Next person, Kimmy, born 1911, died 1999 at the age of 87. But she's somebody, and this is not to be mean, always looked really old. I mean, she did, and clear back into like the late 30s and 40s when. She was acting in film in support roles. She looked a lot older than she was. Matter of fact, she played Grandma on the Waltons. But for me, my uh, identification with her is she was on a certain episode of The Andy Griffith Show. The episode titled Barney's First Car. She... uh, she scams him. Don't you recognize it? That's the clunker I sold to that boob in Mayberry. <laughs> all right, that's all you've had it. Mr. Fife. You didn't think you were fooling anybody, did you, Mrs. Lesh? Dear husband Bernard, never over 25 miles an hour. Come on now, really. <laughs> all right, you've got us. Let me make a deal with you. You forget what happened, and I'll let you have a sweet 1958 custom sedan that's been in the garage up on block since 1959. Low mileage? That sounds like what I've been looking for. Oh, high mileage! Yes, one of my favorite episodes of Mm. the Andy Griffith Show, and her, too. Now, can you tell me who she is? Give me by chance. No. That's Ellen Corby, born on this date, 1911, and died 1999. Now, towards the latter part of the Waltons, she actually had a stroke, and it affected her speech, but they did not write her out or her character. They wrote that into the storyline. Mm. And kept her active on the show. Moving over to somebody else born on this date, 1910, Paulette Goddard. Died 1990 at the age of 79, an American actress, a child fashion model. That's how she she got notoriety. And then she began performing on Broadway as an adult, as a Ziegfeld girl, you know, dancing thing. And then she became a major star for Paramount Studios in the 1940s. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for a performance in So Proudly We Hail in 1943. Her husbands, if you notice I say husbands, she was married many times, but the famous two, she was married to Charlie Chaplin and Burgess Meredith. Mm. And she acted for Mr. Chaplin in movies as well. That's kind of an interesting combination. Burgess Meredith, Charles Chaplin. Mm. Moving over to somebody else born on this date in history. You do not know the name. I don't even know if you've ever seen the films, actually. Some of our older listeners, I'm sure, have. Leo Gorsi, born on this date, 1917. 
He died of liver failure June 2nd, 1969, one day before his 52nd birthday. An American stage and movie actor famous for portraying on film the leader of a group called the Dead End Kids. I don't know if you ever saw any of those films or the East Side Kids. And then they all growed up a little bit and they became the Bowery Boys. Did you see any of those? Mm-mm. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of those, to be quite honest. He, he played like a punk, a thug, a character in all of those. And I, I can't even think of any retros that really run that that series much. But I'm sure it might be available online, any one of those. Next person, born on this date, 1925, Kimmy, has a famous daughter. He is the father to Jamie Lee Curtis. What is his name? Tony Curtis. That's correct. Born 1925, died at the age of 85 in 2010, an American film actor whose career spanned six decades, and he was very popular in the 1950s to the early 1960s. He acted in more than 100 films. Mm. And... One I recommend to check out, even though it's got some historical inaccuracies to it, but it's it tries, and for the time period, we got to give it a pass. He starred in Houdini. He plays Houdini in 1953 with his wife, Janet Lee, And then he's in Some Like It Hot in 1959 with Jack Lemmon and Marilyn Monroe. And it's fantastic. Directed by Billy Wilder. 1968, he starred as a serial killer. He played... The Boston Strangler, mm-hmm. in the movie The Boston Strangler. Have you ever seen any of those? Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Strangler, by chance? No, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Now, there are those who will challenge The Strangler movie for accuracies because many believe that the person who is portrayed as The Strangler, Tony Curtis's character, did not commit the crimes. Mm. But that has come more to be in modern times, or you know, years later, that has become a belief this person born 1927 Kimmy I'm going to give you his name because you will not be able to identify him with some uh, musical things that he's famous for born 1927 died 2007 at the age of 80 he's an American musician best known for his his saxophone play his name is Boots Randolph now one of his big hits became a theme for a certain TV show now this 1963 hit became a theme for what TV show a little bit later on. The Benny Hill Show. Yes, Boots Randolph did the Yakety Sack, which is the theme to Benny Hill, or signature song for Benny Hill. But he's also did a ton of other things, cover versions of, of rock tunes, pop hits. I love his stuff. Actually, yes, that is something else on my MP3 player. As a matter of fact, I love the song Spooky done by the Classics 4 and other versions of it, and he did a version too. That's Boots Randolph, born on this date, 1927, died 2007 at the age of 80. Moving over to somebody else, born on this date, 1929, came in an American game show creator. He created the shows The Dating Game and The Newlywed Game, but he's known for another one he created, and he hosted. That game show was The Gong Show. Who is it? Um, 
Ooh. Who created and hosted the Gong Show? Chuck. You're on the right path. I'm drawing a blank. This is the man that brought us the unknown comic. Come on. You mm. can do it. Who is it? And this... he just passed away recently, too. That is correct. He passed away this year mm-hmm. at the age of 87. Matter of fact, because of him, we have Boxcar Willie. Famous. Because oh. Boxcar Willie won on the gong show. Wow, I can't pull it up. It's Chuck Barris, born on this date, 1929. Next person, John Dykstra, born on this date, Kimmy. He is 70 today. He's an American special effects artist. He worked with Star Wars number one, the first movie, 1977 film. And he's actually the, well, he was one of the founders of Industrial Light and Magic. And then he got into a war or a fight or a spat with George Lucas Lucas bounced him before the film Star Wars was released. In production, he bounced him. But he was the person who led to development of the robotic cameras for shooting miniatures and things. Very, very talented. Lucas thought he was wasting too much time, according to some sources, and eating up too much money. And so he bounced him. And Dykstra took some people with him created his own team, and became a rival and still is to this day to ILM. He created the special effects for the the series. Originally it was a movie, but for the TV series Battlestar Galactica, which led to a lawsuit with Lucas suing in. Oh, yeah, yeah, it got complicated. But he did a ton of other films as well. He has uh, been the recipient of three Academy Awards and many other awards and prizes. I would love for somebody to bring him into a show, a convention. That would be a fantastic fun panel to uh, just hear him talk because mm. he, he knows movie magic. Mm-hmm. And if you saw the list of the things he did, you'd be quite surprised. Like Spider-Man 2 was his and, and tons of others uh, that he did and things that he con- he created. See, I love the original Battlestar Galactica. Yes, he's the guy that created the Cylons with the things going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And, and just so many other things that mm. were his babies. Next person born on this date, Kimmy Singer. Tell me who it is. We'll give you a sample of one of her big hits. This hit is from 1984. Charted. Its peak was number 26 on the Hot 100, number 10 on the R&B. Tell me who the recording artist is. For the boy, tell me who the recording artist is, Kimmy. Um, Denise. Yes, yes, Kimmy's on the right path. Um, Denise something, yes. I can't do it. Denise Williams is who had that as a hit. And surprising, it is not a bigger hit than what it was. It only hit 26 on the... Really? Yeah, it only hit 26 on the Hot 100, 10 on the R&B charts. How old is Denise Williams today, Kimmy, within five years? Um, 55. She is 67 today. Wow. Moving over to somebody else. Now, this is impossible music trivia. We will not feel bad for you if you miss this one, so please don't feel bad if you do. But you are a true audiophile. There is a slight chance that you might know who this is. 
identify who it is. And if you somehow do tell us how old the person is within five, we have a sample of a song of theirs that did break the Hot 100. This is from 1980. It peaked at number 44. Here's your audio clue. Now, I have a feeling you're going to guess it's somebody that it's not because the sound does sound like somebody who had top 40 hits. I have written down the thing I think you're going to guess, the name you're going to guess, okay? That is wrong, and we will not think poorly for you about that if you if you get what I have written down here. Kimmy, who was that recording artist? I have no idea. No guess? I actually thought you would guess Joan Jett. And the Blackhearts. Mm. I thought you would guess Joan Jett. That's Susie Quattro who oh. had that hit. You remember her, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought you would. She's 67 today. And that was her hit, I've Never Been in Love, number 44, from 1980. I was I was surprised when I checked it because I remembered the song. I was like, I, I don't remember if that broke the top 100 or not. And it did. Hmm. Next person, no questions for you. Scott Valentine having a birthday. Actor, he is 59. He played Nick on Family Ties. Remember he was uh, the boyfriend to mm. Alex's sister? Nick. Okay. The artist. Remember him? Okay. Dumber in a box of rocks kind oh, of thing. okay. And then he would play Metallo in an episode of Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman TV series. That's Scott Valentine, who's 59. Next person, Anderson Cooper. He is 50 today. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. It is Notable Deaths, 1975. This actor, comedian, band leader, director, and producer passed away. Now, Kimmy, he was part of a radio, very successful radio, and long-running television series with his wife, Harriet, and his two sons, David and Ricky. Who is it? Ozzy. Ozzy what? Ozzy Nelson. That's right, Ozzy Nelson. You got it right. Passed away on this day, 1975. And if you want to see Ozzy Nelson in something a little bit different than, you know, the Ozzy and Harriet kind of stuff... He is in an episode that is rather weird of the Night Gallery, and it's very strange. Next person who passed away on this date, 1997, Dennis James, died at the age of 69. He's an American television personality, actor, and announcer who is, well, part of some television history. Up until 1976, he had appeared on TV shows more times for a longer period than any other television star. Now, he is credited as the host of television's first network game show. It was on the Dumont Network called Cash and Carry in 1946. He was also the first person to host a telethon, the first person to appear in a television commercial, the first person to emcee a variety show, and the first to appear on videotape. Yet, I have a feeling very few remember him now, unfortunately. Mm. And by the way, I don't even think you realize this, Kimmy. They had a syndicated different version of The Price is Right without Bob Barker for a while. At the same time, Bob Barker did the daytime version. Dennis James did a night version that only ran once a week in syndication Mm. in certain markets. If you've seen that, you're lucky because it's kind of a hard one to have seen. Not a lot of 
Television markets ran that. 2001, Anthony Quinn passed away, actor, at the age of 86. This next person passed away on this date. Kimmy, identify this actor. Tell me how old he was when he passed and give me the year he passed. Within, within two years. He's known for, well, he's known for starring on a certain TV show. He did film as well. You know him for both film and TV. He's known for starring on a 1970s TV series. Identify that TV show, and then you'll be able to tell me who it is. Here is your audio clue. Kung Fu? You think it's Kung Fu? Yes. Kimmy has a very good ear. We didn't get to the point where it says, you know, snatch the pebble from my hand. I thought we were going to get to there. You are correct. I mean, it is Kung Fu. He starred in Kung Fu. Who is it? David Carradine. That's correct. David Carradine died on this date. How old was David Carradine when he passed away within five years? Um, 67. He was 72. And what year did he die within two years, Kimmy? 2010. Kimmy gets it. It was 2009 that he passed away. And Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2. And you met him in between those two movies, correct? In between Kill Bill 1 and 2. Is that correct? Or did you meet him right after 2? After 2. It was right after Kill Bill 2. I mean, it was like it had just been out, correct? Mm -hmm. Was that a thrilling experience for you? Um, Rather disappointing. Really? I was, I was busy talking to... Uh, Jody Whitaker at the time. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Sigmund the Sea Monster. Mm-hmm. Actually, I I did come up there as you met him, I think, but I wasn't standing in... Well, actually, there was no line. I take it back when you met him. Yeah. That day. Yeah. Yeah. That was out at the uh, fairgrounds, if mm-hmm. I remember right, in a pig barn or whatever they called it, swine building or something like that, a few years ago in Orlando, Florida. Next person who passed away on this date, see if you can identify him, Kimmy. Died at the age of 88 in 2011. Was on a TV show for more than 20 years because he was on the show itself for a long period of time. And then they did TV movies and he played the same character. Tell me who the actor is. I try to remember that if they'd argued a little, they might not be here. Arguing doesn't fill any graves. Take me, I'm a U.S. Marshal. How many times I'd rather have argued than gone for guns? Take Dodge City over there. Gamora of the Plains, they call it. Jump-off spot. People coming and going all the time, good, bad, and worse. Temper's high. A man will draw his gun quicker to prove a point than he'll draw on his logic. That's where I come in, whether they like it or not. When they draw their guns, somebody's got to be around. Somebody on the law side. The Lord knows they hate that. Kimmy, that's the way the show originally opened up after the announcement of the name of the show, and then he would do uh, an opening. Uh, he would talk about the town or his job. Tell me the name of the actor who played Marshall, Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. Um, for some reason, I was thinking James Arness, but that's not right. That is correct. It is? It is James Arness, Kimmy. Oh, okay. He played Marshall Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke for 20 years. 
Moving over to somebody else who passed away on this date, 2011, died at the age of 59. Kimmy, he had a top top 50 hit, 1975 on the charts. It peaked at number 25. Here is your audio clue. Tell me who the mystery person is. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is off. Won't you stand up and take a bow? Gimme, identify that mystery voice. I don't I don't know. That's Andrew Gold, who died on this date at the age of 59 in 2011. Moving over to somebody else who passed away in 2011. This person, Kimmy, died at the age of 83. He's often portrayed in the media with the nickname of Dr. Death. Who is it? James Kevorkian? You got half of that right. Only half of that right. Kevorkian. Yes. Right. What's his first name, Kimmy? I don't know. Jack Kevorkian died at the age of 83, 2011. And he claimed to have assisted at least 130 patients to the end. Mm. That's Jack Kevorkian. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job. You got that dinner of your choice. From somewhere around Central Florida, yeah, I think I think you did well today. Thank you for participating in Nerd Trivia, even though you have no clue who Snaggle Puss is. I think right now we'll focus on something from Trivia. Radio was Riley and Kimmy show. Now we did leave something off of trivia and I didn't mean to do that, but that's where where it goes sometime when you're dealing with Kimmy and she distracts you in the studio from the notable section of passing ons 2016 Muhammad Ali passed away at the age of 74. Mm. Now I think we'll honor something from the golden age of radio, um, something about trivia that we talked about. We spoke about Paulette Goddard being born on this day, 1910 an actress and we have a sample of, well, actually a fantastic sample of the golden age of radio with her and Fred McMurray together. It's called Front Page Woman from 1939. And a little side note, Cecil B. DeMille hosts this. He does some announcing and stuff with it and plays around with the actor and actress. Here's Paulette Goddard from 1939 with Front Page Woman on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Front-page women are not new in history. There was, for example, that fabulous creature, Anne Royal, who wrote a column signed Paul Pry. Finding John Quincy Adams bathing in the Potomac, she sat on his clothes, which he left on the bank, until the embarrassed Mr. Adams gave her the most extraordinary interview ever granted by a president of the United States. The front-page woman of my boyhood was that darling of the press, Nellie Bly. She aroused international attention when, in 1889, armed with two knapsacks, a toothbrush, flannel underwear, a cap, ulster, and stopwatch, she dashed around the globe on behalf of the New York world, 
in the then incredible time of 72 days. Songs, games, and a racehorse were quickly named after her. And I still have a dim recollection of that beautiful reporter, Nora Donnelly, called the Tut-Tut Girl. On the day Admiral Dewey returned from Manila, Nora boarded his ship for an interview. Rushing up to the Admiral, she waved an American flag in his face and promptly burst into tears. Whereupon the Admiral remarked, Tut-Tut, little girl, don't cry. That gave Nora her new name. Tonight's front-page woman, Paulette Goddard, is a star after only three pictures. Her latest being the Selznick International film, The Young in Heart. Born on Long Island, Miss Goddard is a former Ziegfeld Follies beauty and is heard tonight as Ellen Garfield. Hollywood knows Fred McMurray as the man who said no. In the days when he was a five-dollar-a-day extra working in a mob scene, the director singled him out from a hundred others and offered Fred what to every extra is the opportunity of a lifetime, the chance to speak a line. But Fred was frightened turned down the offer and went happily on at $5 a day until Paramount featured him. He stars soon in the new picture Cafe Society and tonight he's Kurt Devlin, one of the screen's most reliable comedians, that perennial favorite Roscoe Carnes, is heard as a news photographer who answers to the name of Toots. And so we go to press as the Lux Radio Theater presents Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard in Front Page Woman with Roscoe Carnes. reporter's room at North Prison. At a long table running halfway round the wall, a dozen telephones stand ready for service. They're silent now, but soon the wires will be screaming news as a woman pays the supreme penalty for murder. The reporters converse in hushed tones, nervous as the hour approaches. In a corner of the room, a lone girl reporter waits quietly. She's outwardly calm, but her heart thumps wildly. From the doorway comes Kurt Devlin of the Daily Express. Hiya, fellas. How is everyone on this festive occasion? Hard guy. Huh? Just oh, had a talk one? with the warden. It won't be long now. And that suits me. I hate these affairs. Yeah, the sooner the better. How are you, Mr. Devlin? What? Well, I'm a so-and-so. Hmm, that's what I always thought. What are you doing here, Garfield? Well, I'm covering the story for the star. You mean to say Have Spike Kiley handed you this assignment? I asked for it. You asked for it. Well, why not? It's a big story, isn't it? Oh, look, Tidbit, an electrocution is no place for you. Why not? I'm a reporter. No, you're not. You're just a sweet little kid whose family let her read too many newspaper novels. Now, take my advice and oh, get up. Oh, shut up. You think you're so cute, don't you? It's a wonder you don't talk baby talk. All right, all right. By the way, I don't suppose you've attended one of these high-tension parties before, have you? Well, there's always got to be a first time. Yeah, but uh, somehow it all seems a little worse when they burn a woman. Well, why make an exception because she's a woman? Sure. Well, it ought to be quite an experience for you if your knees hold out. Don't worry about me, Mr. Devlin. You know, I'm really grown up now. Sometimes I even cross the street without taking the policeman's hand. Yeah? Yes. Listen, little Miss Front Page, it's okay for you to chase fires and ambulances, but this is different. It does something to you. It chews you up inside. Look at those guys. They, they've seen them before, and they're really tough. Don't go through it, kid. You don't have to. I'll cover for you. No. Not for me, you won't. I was sent here to, to see it, and I'm going to. Oh, come on. Let me get you out of here. I'll write your whole story for you. No. I can take it if you can. Okay, Tidbit. Here's the warden, fellas. Well, what do you say, warden? All right, boys. You can go in now. Well, it's time for the slow music. Um, Helen, uh, how do you feel? Well, I'm, I'm fine. Well, come on, then. You wanted to join the parade, now keep step. Oh, honey, let me cover for you. No one will ever know. No. I'm going myself. I'll write my own story. I'll... Oh. Helen! 
Hey, Nick. Mac, give me a hand here. Little Miss Front Page just pulled a faint. How you doing, honey? I guess I'm all right now. Where are we? Almost back to town. It's all over and you're all covered. I phoned a story in for you. Oh, Kurt, I'm, I'm so ashamed. Thanks. No, that's all right. Ellen. Uh-huh? If you were me, would you ask me if I loved you? Uh-huh. Do you? Sort of? Not sort of. Lots of. Yeah? I know a guy that's married. He likes it. How about his wife? She wishes the guy were twins, so she could commit bigamy and be twice as happy. What do you suppose it would be like, Kurt? Heaven with all the modern conveniences. Gee, Ellen, why not? All this stuff about being a newspaper woman, that's kid stuff. You don't have to work. No, but... Well, I just want to prove to you that I can be as good a reporter as the next fellow. Oh, stop it. Look, we could get one of those studio apartments with a fireplace and... What do you say, hon? Oh, you make it sound nice, Kurt. I... Hey, wait a minute. The paper's on the screen. Guys and chair. Here you are, Hey, boy, give me the express. Yes, sir. Let me have a star, please. Yes, ma'am. Keep the change, kid. Thanks. Hey, are get your paper. Read all about it. Hey, here we are, honey. Listen. By Kurt Devlin, express staff correspondent, North Prison, November 10th. <clears throat> With a song on her lips, Mabel Gay, Broadway's female Boniface, walked to the electric chair last night to expiate the murder of dapper Rudy Spain. Ah, boy, that's beautiful. Kurt Devlin, you're a rat. Sure. What? Well, you're a low, sneaking, vile, desperate. What are you talking about? I'll show you what I'm talking about. Listen to this. By Ellen Garfield, star correspondent, North Prison, November 10th. With a song on her lips, Mabel Gay, Broadway's famous female Boniface, walked to the chair last night to expiate the murder Boy, of Boy, it's the same story. You covered me, didn't you? Oh, yes, you covered me beautifully. Well, you sent them the same thing word for word. Well, but I told them to rewrite it. Ellen, honey, you I didn't... You double-crossed me. What do you mean I double-crossed you? Do you think this is going to do me any good? They, they, they'll can me. Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going? I'm getting out of here before I slap your face in. Well, how are you going to get home? Well, the subways are still running. Yeah, but not to where you can go as far as I'm concerned. Goodbye. Hey, Kurt. What do you want? Are you going to eat that sandwich? What do you care? Well, if you ain't, I will. No sense letting all that mustard go to waste. Oh, go ahead. Take it. Thanks. Jay, what are you beefing about? You ain't been fired. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Boy, that was a swell story you two had. I looked at the Express, and I looked at the Star, and I thought I was seeing double. Oh, get out of here, will you, Toots? Go on, go on, take some pictures. Pictures of what? Oh, I get it. You want me to beat it, huh? Smart guy. Okay, okay. Kurt Devlin, the sarpus of the press cafe. I'll get a picture of you like this someday, and you won't know you from a lemon. Hello, Kurt. Ellen. Oh, hello. Thought you'd be out of the newspaper business and taking a course in domestic science by this time. Kurt, I found out you really did try to cover me last night. Oh, you did? I'm sorry, Kurt. I should have believed you, I know, but do you, do you think I'm a sort of a rat? Well... No. Just a little mousy, that's all. Did they give you your notice? No, but I got a piece of our Mr. John's mind, and it was certainly no present that a gentleman should give a lady. <laughs> what about you? Oh, Hartley was really quite pleasant about it. All he said was that he'd appreciate it if I could arrange a suicide pact with you. Well, I guess we're both in the doghouse. Yeah, don't worry about it. I've been in the doghouse for so long, I'm commencing to bark at strangers. Well, I'm not so worried about you. It's myself I'm worried about. Well, two more weeks and you'll be back covering the Dahlia shows. Are you going to start that again? Sure. Why don't you marry me? I'd make a swell husband, even if I am a reporter. I don't write novels and newspaper plays, and I take off my hat in the house. Perfect. 
Well, don't forget that I'm a newspaper woman, too. Yeah, and don't forget that women make uh, pretty rotten newspaper men. Oh, is that so? Listen, I'm as good a reporter as any man, and I can prove it. Pecans. And what's more, I'll make you admit it. Almonds. And I wouldn't marry you for anything in the world. Walnuts, both English and black. Why, you? What's that? That? Why, that's the fire alarm bell, remember? They keep it here for the convenience of ambitious reporters who like to chase the engines. Yes, I do seem to recollect, but thank you anyway. Hey, Kirk, you hear that? That's a three alarm. Well, now, what do you know? Toots has learned to count. Congratulations, Toots. Well, ain't we going to cover it? It's at the Granger Arms, that snooty apartment joint. I ought to get some pictures, maybe. Take your time. I'm having a talk with Miss Front Page. Well, the interview's ended, Mr. Devlin. I'm going to that fire. Fine. If it starts to burn out, put some kindling on it and keep it going till I get there, will you? You're so smart. Good day, Mr. Devlin. Hurry up, and maybe they'll let you ride on the hook and ladder. Straight behind the fire lines. Go on now. But, officer, I tell you, I'm a reporter from the star. This press card says so. Now, I'm not drunk or stretching any woman through the fire lines. I don't care if it says you're a billy goat. You can't get through. Well, I'll be a billy goat if I want to. <laughs> oh, no, you won't. If you're going to be a goat at all, you'll be a nanny goat and black. Walter. Huh? Walter, tell me, could you get me a cab? A cab? Oh, am I the doorman? Will you please do as I say? I've got Mr. Stone here. Oh? He's, he's been overcome by the smoke. Oh, Mr. Stone? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, let the car through here. Oh, how are you, officer? Oh, Mr. Stone, what are you doing here, sir? Showing remarkably good sense by, by leaving a burning building, that's all. Oh. Officer, Mr. Stone is very shaky. Would you hurry that cab? Oh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll have it in a jiffy. Hey, cab, cab! Stone, are you all right? I... I don't know. Did... Did she get out of the apartment all right? I think so. She slipped out the back way. No one saw her. Find her. Tell her... Tell her I'm sorry. It was all my fault. Here's your cab, Mr. Stone. Thanks. Go ahead, driver. I'll tell you where to go. Now, young lady, are you still here? Yes, officer, I'm still here. Would you mind moving over just a little bit? You know, I can't see through a person. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> you can see through me, Uncle. He's a skeleton. <laughs> Morning, Spike. Good morning, Miss Garfield. And where have you been? And why don't you go back? Well, what's the matter, Spike? Didn't you like my story of the fire? Oh, that was literature. The hungry flames greedily licked the paint from the building. I don't think my goose pimples will ever go down from that line. I'll bet we've given a million readers duck bumps. Yep, you got everything there was to get. Everything except the story. If you want to get the real thing, take a look at this copy of the Express. Marvin Stone disappears after fire. Broadway producer missing after apartment house fire by Kurt Devlin. Spike, how do you suppose he got that? By being a newspaper man, chickadee. There are 200 fires in this town every day, but only one Marvin Stone. You know, to me, you're just another dame that Mr. Calling. You ought to write poems on birthday cards. Go on, give it to me. I have it coming, but... Stone. Stone. There was a stone at the fire. Spike, I think I've got a scoop. You couldn't scoop the insides out of a cantaloupe. Give me 24 hours. I think I've got something. Yeah, I think so, too. Sleeping sickness. You hand me that phone. Huh? Just 24 hours, Spike. Just let me start off by finding where that cab took him. Took who? Stone, Marvin Stone. Hello? Hello? Brown and white cab? This is the Daily Star. Listen. One of your men picked up two men at the Granger Arms last night about 9.30. One of them was sick. Dark coat, gray fedora hat. We want to know where the driver took him. All right, I'll hang on. They're checking. Well, who was the other man? I don't know. I heard Stone mention a woman, too. Well, what woman? I don't know. No, I didn't expect you would. Oh, please, Spike, give me a break. A break? You've had your breaks. One more and you'll break the whole newspaper. Hello? You... Hello? Yes? 
Oh, I see. Thank you. Well? well? This is it, Spike. The driver took Stone to the Plaza Hospital. Plaza Hospital? I'll get a man over there right away. Oh, no, you don't, Spike. You've got a woman and she's on her way now. Plaza Hospital. One moment. Hello, Plaza Hospital. I'll see if he's in. Miss, will you please tell me? Go ahead, please. I did tell you. There's no one here by the name of Stone. Well, look. Was there anybody admitted about 10 o'clock last night? A man? Well, James Craig at a quarter to 10. Well, that's it. I want to see him, please. You aren't family, are you? Family? Oh, no, I just... Well, then you can't see him. Mr. Craig died a half an hour ago. Died? Died of what? Well, I'm not supposed to tell, but it was a stab wound. Stab wound? Are you sure of that? Well, that's what Miss Ohm said. She was the nurse in surgery. Miss Holmes, get her here for me, will you please? Give me two minutes with her and I'll make her famous. Oh. Yes, and you too. Hurry up. Here we are. The star makes another beat. Marvin Stone, dead of stab wounds. Entered hospital under an alias by Ellen Garfield. Lucky little Ellen. Marvin Q. Stone, theatrical producer, was found dead of a stab wound in the abdomen. That's the stomach, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought, yeah. In the Plaza Hotel last night, search is being made for an unknown man and an unseen, unknown woman referred to as she by the mystery man in stone. In an overheard conversation... Overheard conversation? (laughs) I'll bet she overheard herself. Oh, to think of you being beaten by a dame. Yeah. She pinned a rose on me, all right. I got a hand of that. Uh... Pardon me, isn't your name Devlin? Well, well, how are you? Mood of my delight? What's on your mind? Oh, nothing. Just wondered if you'd been reading a star lately. Yeah, there was an interesting article by Lydia Pinkham in your last edition. Oh, you mean your yarn. Oh, you just had a lucky break, that's all. You stumbled over something and it turned out to be a corpse. Really? You know, I think I hear a noise like the sound of crunched sour grapes. <laughs> Listen, you haven't got a story. All you've got is a lead. The real story is digging up the unknown man and the unseen she and the guy who did the foul deed. That's where I come in in my quiet way. If I don't beat you to it. All right. If I turn up this murderer, will you give in and marry me? Kurt, are you proposing? Sounded like that to me. Shut up, Toots. Will you or won't you? Maybe. If you find the murderer. It's the deal. Read all about it, honey, in the Daily Express. The curtain falls on Act One of Front Page Woman, starring Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard with Roscoe Carnes. We continue with Front Page Woman, starring Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard with Roscoe Carnes. It's the following day. In the office of the Daily Express, Kurt and Toots are hot on the trail of the mystery woman. The desk in front of them is piled high with clippings from the newspaper file. Clippings of the murdered Marvin Stone. Toots is furiously writing names on a pad. As he comes to the end of the long list, he looks at Kurt in despair. Oh, the mystery woman. Boy, she is a mystery. Yeah. As far as I can make out, this guy Stone has kept company with every dame in the world except Whistler's mother. Yeah. Well, look at this list. You can interview the Follies line for ten years back and be only half through his address book. Uh, never mind. You got them all down? Yeah. Well, come on. Let's go. Oh, Kurt, we ain't going to look up all these dames, are we? You think I'm crazy? <laughs> I wish you hadn't asked me that. 
Well, the first dame we're going to look up never twirled a toe at the bald heads in the first row of the Follies. We're going to see the nurse who was present at the death of the late lamented and punctured Mr. Stone. Say, wait a minute. Are we on the expense account? Sure, sir. Okay. Hello? This is Toots. Call me a taxi cab. Yeah, never mind the old guy. This is the room where Marvin Stone breathed his last. Yes, it is, Mr. Devlin, but I'm afraid I can't help you. There aren't any details at all, and he never regained consciousness. The body's been taken to the morgue. Mm -hmm. Are his uh, clothes still here? Yes, but I'm afraid they won't give you any clues. Police took everything out of the pockets. Nothing has less personality than a vacant suit, but uh, I'd like to take a look at it, if I may. Well, it's not regulation. Oh, come on now, beautiful. What do you care about those old regulations, huh? (laughs) Very well. It's in the closet. Uh, This is the suit he was wearing. Hmm, beautiful piece of material, ain't it? You'd toast marshmallows on the candles around a coffin. Uh, Do you mind if I examine it a little more closely? Not at all. Hmm, perfume. Have a sniff, Toots. Mm, Smells like foolish gardenium. Say, Kurt, what's perfume doing on a guy's suit? That's what I'd like to know. Uh, by the way, Toots, why don't you take a picture of the little lady in white here? Huh? Make a good human interest story, you know, the modern Florence Nightingale. Oh, now, really? Well, that's an idea. Now, 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 don't pose, honey. Just try to look like a cross between an angel and an ambulance going to a wreck. Oh, but I look too awful. You look very retrogravy to me. Hold it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Miss Nightingale. All right, all right, Toots, we're in a hurry. Goodbye, miss, and thanks. Goodbye. Hey, Kurt, what was the mush about taking her face? We can't use her picture. Shut up. I just wanted you to keep her busy while I was cutting myself a slice of suit. Stone suit? Yes, stone suit. I took myself a small piece of lapel smelling of foolish gardenia. Okay, so what? Let's find out who used to clean Mr. Stone's clothes. I think I've got an idea. For years, I cleaned the suits. Fine. Uh, do you happen to remember this piece of material? Material? Say, this is a good piece of good. Sure, that's off a Mr. Stone suit. A double-breasted. I cleaned it the day Mr. Stone was killed. Yeah? What time did you uh, deliver it to him? Well, the same night at 8 o'clock. Personally, I delivered it. 8 o'clock, huh? The fire was at 9. Sure. Are you a detective? I'm beginning to think so. Much obliged. Come on, Toots. Say, would you be violating a confidence if you told me what we're doing? We're smelling out a murderer. What we need now is a perfume shop, some place with class. Now, what we need, Mr. Chenard, is an educated smeller like yours. Just take a whip of this cloth and tell me what you can about the perfume. Mmm, it's very fine, expensive perfume. Not a standard brand, an individual creation, very feminine. Did you blend it? Oh, no, but whoever did is a fine parfumeur. It's heavy without being soggy. It has a distinct personality. In other words, the uh, perfume might have been blended to reflect the personality of the woman wearing it? Oh, undoubtedly. What sort of woman? Well, naturally, I couldn't be certain, but I definitely know it is the kind of perfume I would blend for a dark, decidedly Latin type. Latin type, huh? Uh, thanks, Mr. Chenard. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your poking your nose into my business. Oh, not at all, not at all. Toots, my good man. Yeah, what do you want, brains? We're going hunting for Latin. Hello? 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 Hello?
I tell you, I've got it, Toots. When Stone was stabbed, the mysterious woman was with him. All right, Sherlock, I'll bite. How do you know she was? Simple, Watson. The suit was delivered to Stone at 8 o'clock. The tailor said so. Yeah? It couldn't have come from the cleaner smelling of perfume. No. Therefore, the perfume must have permeated his clothes between 8 and 9. Right? Mm-hmm. He was stabbed between 8 and 9, so the woman was with him. Still right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, the Latin type was with him when he was knifed, so we go looking for Latins. Yes. Yeah. So we've seen a dame on our list named Cochita Rinal. Check. A dame named Marcelli. Mm-hmm. A dame named DeCosta. Mm-hmm. And a dame named Bolini. Right. And where are we? We're on our way to the Gay- Gaiety Theater, my friend, to see a name named Inez Cordoza. I'm sorry. Uh, could either of you two lovelies tell me if Miss Inez Cordoza is around? Inez? No. She quit the show about a month ago. Oh, she did? Huh? Where is she now? She moved. I know that, because I called her up this morning to get the dirt in her boyfriend being murdered, and they said she left. Mr. Marvin Stone was her playmate, huh? Say, what are you, a detective? With dainty little feet like mine? <laughs> No, sister, I'm a reporter, and if you help me out, I'll pay off with some good publicity. Well, my name's May LaRue. M-A-E. M-A-E. Take that down, Toots. I got it. Mine's Olive Wilson. Fine. Now, uh, what do you know about our Inez? Oh, I don't know so much, except that Stone was pretty crazy about her. Oh, she went for him, too. That is, until Mr. Coulter came along. Coulter? You know, Maitland Coulter, the big shot polo player. And what Stone burned up. Yeah. Tried to take a poke at Coulter one night right outside the stage door. Yeah, it was disgusting. They both led, but they're right. Mm Mm-hmm. The next day she quit the show and nobody's seen her since. Hey, this is wonderful. I'll bet you're the girls that, uh, the kind of showgirls that write novels and sculpt statues on the side. How'd you know? You have minds. By the way, did Inez leave any dresses or handkerchiefs around? No, she took everything. Inez was that way. Oh, she left a slip hanging on my rack in the dressing room. But I don't see what good that'd do you. Get it for me, will you? Okay. Yep. Leave it to babyface Inez to get publicity like this. You know, if I thought for a minute that I'd get splashed all over the front page, I'd slip a little cyanide to Butch. <clears throat> the, the, who, who's Butch? Oh, that's my boyfriend. What's the matter? Don't you like him? Yeah, sure I like him. He's swell, but a girl has to think of her career. Now, there's a girl with a brain, Toots. I'll bet she has a Ph.D. Who told you? Here's a slip. Oh, do you mind giving it to me? Of course not. Thanks. Perfume, huh? Hey, Toots. What? That's the perfume, the same as on the coat. Toots, the unseen she is Inez Cordoza. Yeah, try photographing an unseen she. Hello. Hello, Mac. This is Kurt. Hold the first edition for a stop press and get a picture of Inez Cordoza and Maitland Colder out of the files. And send them down to me at police headquarters. I'm waiting there now. Have I got something? Listen, I've got a story that'd curl the hair on an eggplant. Hey, Sergeant, is the lieutenant still busy? Yep. He'll see you in a minute. Hello, Sleuth. Well, how's the future Mrs. Kurt Devlin? Fine. And the disappointed bridegroom? Mm, aimless, just aimless. How you doing? Oh, up a tree and no coconuts. Just got some routine stuff from the lieutenant. Anything to pick up your ears about? Not much. They found a loaded automatic in Stone's apartment, but no knife. The gun had never been fired. Gun, huh? What happened to the knife that did the deed? <laughs> That's what the lieutenant would like to know. Yeah, I'll bet. Any signs of a struggle? Yes, and the Negro houseman says a man asked the number of Stone's apartment and went up about 8.30. And just before the fire broke out, neighbors complained of loud voices. Add that up and what do you get? A question mark. I suppose you've made some startling discoveries. Mm, no, no. 
In fact, it looks as though you're going to have to marry me out of love and not defeat. Maybe I will when you admit I'm as good a newspaper man as you. Oh, come on, Ellen. Let's call it a draw right now and never talk about it anymore, huh? Look, I made a bet with you on this stone case. If you back out, you're a welcher. Okay. How about having dinner with me tonight? I'll meet you at the Roma about seven. Dutch? Oh, let me take you for once, will you? I'm commencing to feel like a Dutch uncle. You're commencing to talk like one. See you at Roma's. Okay. The lieutenant will see you now, Devlin. Oh, thanks, Sarge. Oh, and by the way, you'd better notify the homicide squad. Tell them to dig up a guy named Maitland Colder and a Latin lovely named Inez Cordoza. I've got a hunch the lieutenant will want to make a couple of arrests. Hello, Roma. Ah, Mr. Devlin. <laughs> the lady is waiting for you over here. Hello, honey. You think I'd never get here? Oh, I didn't mind waiting for you. Sit down. Thanks. Ah, gee, I like you. I'm sort of fond of you, too. Don't know why, except to remind me of an Irish terrier I hmm. had once. Smart dogs, Irish terriers. Well, this one wasn't. He bit me. All of which shows us Irish terriers will just stand so much. Which reminds me to tell you, you're through playing newspaper. You're going to get off that sheet and marry me. That's right. When you admit I'm as good a reporter as you... Listen, I'm tired of humoring you and trying to save your face. You're not a reporter and you never will be. You're just another name getting in the way around a newspaper office. In fact, you don't even know when you've been taken to the cleaners. So that's what you think, is it? Yeah. Here, take a look at the express. Go on, read it. Coulter and woman implicated in stone murder. Maitland Coulter, wealthy polo player, and Inez Cordoza showgirl, were definitely identified by an express representative as the mystery man and the unseen she who were in Stone's apartment the night he was stabbed. Why... Sure, look. Coulter was arrested in his luxurious bachelor quarters at the exclusive town apartments at 6 o'clock this evening, but refused to make any statement. Police are searching for Inez Cordoza, who has disappeared, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. Well? All right. You win. <laughs> Good night, Kurt. Hey, where are you going? You forgot to find Inez Cordoza. I suppose I've got to do it for you. So long. Oh, two women who are what goiters out of science, a pain in the neck. Give me Spike. Hello, Spike. This is Ellen Garfield. Spike, I've got a lead on Inez Cordoza. I found out where Devlin picked up his stuff. He went down to the gaiety and pumped the girls. Well, I did too, and I've got Cordoza's slip. Yes, but it has a laundry mark on it. What do you mean, what good is it? Don't you know human nature? People don't change their laundries. Now, all I have to do is to find out which laundry it is, who the mark belongs to, and then wait for someone to call for some clean shirts. I'll tailor home, and ten to one, I'll find Inez Cordoza. All right, twenty to one. Goodbye, Spike. There's another laundry, miss. Thanks. Wait for me, will you? Yes, ma'am. Good evening, miss. What can I do for you? I've been to every laundry in town. Maybe you can help me. I'd like to know if this is your laundry mark. Yeah, let me see. Oh, yes, yes. This is one of our marks. It is? Uh-huh. I'm from the star on the Marvin Stone case. Can you tell me whose mark it is? Well, not the name, miss. But there's a gentleman who calls for laundry with this mark. In fact, I have a package for him now in a rush job. Today? Well, yes. He said he'd be here just about... Oh, pardon me, please. You got my laundry? Yes, sir. Right here, sir. How much? One dollar and a half. Thank you, sir. Good day. Good day. Oh, miss. Yes? That man, he's the one. He just took the package with the same mark as you showed me. He did? Then where does he live? Do you know? Well, no, miss, I don't. But I uh, might be able to find out. Well, never mind. I'll follow him. Thanks very much. Hello? 
Oh, hello. What do you want? I, uh, I'm looking for Inez Cordoza. Come in. Oh, thanks. Sit down. You followed me from that laundry, didn't you? Well, no, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did. I saw you there. Robert. Come here, Inez. Inez. So you're Inez Cordoza. Robert, what does she want? Who is she? She's a dirty little flag. Well, you're crazy. I'm no cop. Shut up. Sis, go in the other room. No. Robert, don't. Give me that girl. Get away from me. Go on, do as I tell you. Wait, listen. You've got me all wrong. Oh, no, I haven't. I got you dead to rights, sister. So if you know what's good for you, you'll sit tight and keep your clapper shut or you'll be going back to headquarters on a slab. We pause for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Just completed Act Two of Front Page Woman. Fred McMurray, Paulette Goddard, and Roscoe Carnes are heard soon in the third act. Now it's intermission time, and time for Mr. DeMille to introduce the evening's special guest. But before he does, just a word about our product. Lux is the world's largest selling package soap for fine fabrics. And here's why Lux contains no harmful alkali. It's so mild, so pure, it's safe for anything that's safe in water alone. A little goes so far. Makes such fine, rich suds. Lux is thrifty. Our producer, Mr. DeMille. We've just been hearing about the adventures of a front-page woman. Right now, we're going to hear from a man whose stories have been printed on page one many times with date lines from Paris, London, Berlin, Shanghai, Madrid, and a hundred other cities around the globe. If I were to tell you the story of Floyd Gibbons in one sentence... I should say that he was there when it happened, because for many years he's shown an astonishing ability to get to the scene just in time for a big news break. I can't see all the way to New York, but I know exactly how Floyd Gibbons looks as he waits in a New York studio. He's a brawny, strapping fellow with a red face and bristly hair, sitting before a microphone with his hat hanging precariously on the back of his head. He's full of nervous energy. When he talks, his fist flies out, driving home his words. Over one eye is that familiar white patch, a relic of 1918 and Bello Wood. Speaking to you now from New York is the headline hunter, Floyd Gibbons. Thank you, Mr. DeMille, and hello, everybody. Here in New York, I've been listening to Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard in Front Page Woman. Now, that's the, well, that's a play about my kind of people, newspaper men and newspaper women. We make fun of ourselves, but we do our darndest to outwit each other on the job. For many years now, I've been, well, trying to figure out just what it is that changes a normal, happy, everyday sort of a person into a newspaper man or woman, and by golly, I still don't know. One day, some 20 years ago, I stood in a boxcar down in Mexico talking to Pancho Villa, the revolutionary leader. I was just a kid, and I threw questions at him one after another. I was so dumb, I didn't know that nobody dared question Pancho that way. Pancho got sore as a boil on the neck. He snarled at me in Spanish, What do you want to come down here for, gringo? You have a nice soft bed at home. Well, sir, I couldn't think of the answer to then, and I still can't. But I stuck it out with Villa and his army, and I saw plenty happen during that frightful war, including a 300-mile uh, retreat, which I think I led. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here tonight. 
The newspaper reporter tries his doggone to be there when it happens because the best and most truthful report of any happening is that of the personal eyewitness who can honestly say, I saw it. I was there when it happened. He has to keep in mind the importance of the main event, but must not overlook the apparently unimportant little facts that prove the truth of the story. I was on the 19,000-ton liner Laconia when it was torpedoed and sunk in mid-Atlantic. We were carrying a huge cargo of explosives. The thing I remember most is what a Canadian aviator named Dugan said when the torpedo hit us. Three of us were sitting in the smoking room listening to a phonograph playing Poor Butterfly. Dugan passed a pack of cigarettes and offered a light. He was the third man on the match. A few seconds later, the ship gave a sudden lurch. The deck began to slant and the foghorn began to blow the signal to distress. That was when Dugan became one of my candidates for immortality. He blew some smoke out of the side of his mouth and said, Hmm, that was a lousy torpedo. It didn't even blow up the munitions. Well, sir, the boat sank, but we got away all right and were picked up by a patrol boat without wireless the next morning. It took us so long to reach the Irish coast that American newspapers thought we were lost. The boss printed my obituary in the papers, and oh boy, was his face red when he got a 4,000-word cable story on the sinking of the Laconia from me the next morning. Of course, my clothing, trunk, and typewriter, and, and everything went down with the ship, and they also went down on the old swindle sheet. I mean the expense account. It isn't just ability to write that makes good reporters like these kids, Ellen Garfield and Kurt Devlin, in the play tonight. One of the best writers I know is my pal Westbrook Pegler. But Peg would still be a great reporter if he couldn't write a grammatical sentence. When King George V died, Pegler and I were covering the story of the funeral in London. Newspaper men had to stand in line like the tens of thousands of mourning subjects of the late king. A line that stretched out for four miles, moving slowly forward in the rain. It looked as though it would take us ten or twelve hours to reach Westminster Hall, the place where the body was lying in state. Peg found a fellow who had a little sympathy for us when he found we were newspaper men, and he slipped us through the back door of Westminster Hall. That's just across the street from the abbey. And Peg... Well, Peg beat the other correspondents by several hours. It cost us eight bob each to get in. That's two dollars, you know. That was the first and last time I ever got into a royal funeral by the back door. There was nothing irreverent in our act, but it really was crashing the gate. A newspaper man does get around to a lot of places, and incidentally, Cecil B. DeMille... So does that product of yours. I've run into Lux Flakes all over the world. I've seen it in store windows from Shanghai to London. How do you do it, Mr. DeMille? And now, good night. How do we do it? Hmm, you've got to be good, Floyd. You've got to be good. That goes whether you're a reporter or a flake of soap. Good night and our thanks to you, Floyd Gibbons. And happy headline hunting. We're back in Hollywood and ready to star Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard in the third act of Front Page Woman with Roscoe Carnes. A few minutes have passed. Ellen, worried but calm, gazes steadily at the revolver which Robert Cardoza holds pointed at her head. Then she smiles quietly. You wouldn't really use that gun on me, would you? You never can tell, fly cop. But I'm not a fly cop. I tell you I'm a reporter. Robert, maybe she is a reporter. Miss Cardoza, believe me. I'm the only one who knows you're here. I want to get your side of the story because every day you don't tell the story, the public gets more and more convinced that you're guilty. But I'm not guilty. Well, then tell the world you're not. Stop trying to peddle that phony chatter. I'll fold you. Well, I'm only trying to help her. Shut up and sit down. Listen, Inez, you're leaving here tonight. Go inside and start packing. All right. But, Robert... Get inside. All right. Nice place you have here, Mr. Cordoza. You know, if you'd listen to me, I said maybe... shut up. All right. May I smoke? Some cigarettes on the table. Thanks. Hmm, my brand, too. Lucky Ellen Garfield. Now, where are you going? Get away from that window. I 
It's awfully stuffy here. I thought you wanted a smoke. I do. Yeah, you better come back here and sit down. Listen, I... What are you doing? Look out! The curtains! The curtains are on fire! No, rotten... Well, pull it out! Do something! We'll be burned to death! Well, you'll never get it off that way! Pull the curtains down! Jump on them! We'll be burned! There. There, it's out. I ought to bust you in two, you... I wouldn't if I were you. You? Where'd you get that gun? Thanks, Mr. Cordoza, for putting out the fire, and thanks for putting your gun down when you did. Now, Mr. Cordoza, you wouldn't believe me when I said I was trying to help your sister, so I'll have to prove it to you. Call Miss Cordoza, please. We're going to see the D.A. Now, Miss Cordoza, I want you to tell your story and tell it as straight as you can. Not only to help me, but to save yourself. Go on, Inez. The D.A. doesn't bite. Well, I went to Mr. Stone's apartment for dinner. When I arrived, Mr. Colder was there and Stone was sick. Colder wanted to call a doctor, but Stone wouldn't let him. He said it was nothing and... Well, I thought he'd been drinking too much. We got to arguing. Stone struck colder. I got frightened and ran out of the apartment. That's all I know, everything, I swear. Well, why did you hide out? I was afraid colder might be drawn in. I I didn't want to testify against him. I love him, but he's innocent, I tell you, innocent. You've got to let him go. Please, Miss Cordoza. No hysterics. You can go now. We've assigned a matron to stay with you until colder comes to trial. Go on, Inez. They won't hurt you. Thank you so much for everything. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, Miss Garfield, congratulations. You did a splendid job finding Cordoza. Oh, nothing at all. Hello. Said you wanted to see me here. That's right, Devlin. I want to thank you for what you've done on the stone case. I think Miss Garfield's done fairly well herself. Well, thanks, Kurt. Well, I guess Cold is your man, all right. Looks open and shut. Open and shut? Hardly. Where's Exhibit A? A man who brings a gun to commit a murder doesn't bring a knife, too. A man who thinks to take a knife wouldn't forget and leave his gun in the middle of the floor. To build a case, we've got to have Exhibit A, the instrument with which the murder was committed. The knife hasn't been found. Well, how can they find it? They've searched Stone's apartment from stem to stern. Sure. But what that search lacked was the Devlin touch. Leave it to old Slewfoot, folks. I'm practically there now. Brandishing the knife. Oh, sure. I clean up apartment for Mr. Stone. Every day I clean with vacuum. Uh, you did a very good job, too. I cleaned up after murder. You sure did. Pipe down, Toots. Now, look, uh, I wonder if you'd be a good boy and let me see your vacuum cleaner. I go get. Say, what do you expect to find in that Bronx bagpipe? I don't know, but our little Chinese friend Swing out here says he cleaned up the mess in the living room with us, so we might as well take a chance. Say, Mug, you get more and more elementary all the time. Here, vacuum cleaner. Oh, thanks. And uh, now let's see what's in the vacuum bag. Here, just make yourself useful. Help me dump out the dirt. Oh, I wish I'd never loaned you that Philo Vance book. Wow, look at the sand. Sand? How do you suppose that got here? Maybe swing out clean the spinach with it. Oh, wait a minute. Sand. What's in that big vase standing over there by the door? Well, what's in it? Sand. 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 Oh, but you see, you sound like delirium tremens lost in the Sahara. It's an ash urn. They're always full, full of... of... sand. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, give me a hand with this. We're going to dump it. Maybe you'd like to put up a few beach umbrellas. Come on, help me here. Uh, let's see. Cigar, cigar, cigarette butts... Cigarette so you know you could get a cigar. job in the nightclub doing that act. Cigars, cigarette butts, cigars. All cigars. right, wise guy, look at this. Here it is. Oh, for the love of Mike, the knife. Yeah, the knife. 
And this little instrument, my friend, is going to give the D.A. a thrill and Mr. Colder the shock of his life. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Toots. Hey, hide that knife, Toots. Well, look who's here. Oh, I felt a great need for you, Kurt, and I knew you'd be here. Mm-hmm. What a mess. I see you've been looking around. Find anything? Me? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, such luck. Like There's a knife in this room, and it'll take Lady Macbeth to see it. Well, too bad, Kurt. Yeah, it certainly is a shame. <laughs> Extra, extra, colder indicted. Express finds stone murder knife. Kurt Devlin finds knife. Paper. Paper extra. Call the trial news in. Call the trial news in. Get the Then, ladies and gentlemen, the knife was found in an ash receptacle. Why? Because this is what happened. There was a quarrel. Colder drew his revolver. In the struggle, Stone knocked it from his hand to the floor. Then Calder snatched the paper knife from the table and plunged it into the man he hated, committing the crime for which he came. Murder, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, premeditated murder, a crime of which the people demand you find him guilty in the first degree. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the state rests. Ellen? What do you want, double-crosser? Say, we've got plenty of time to hang around the courthouse. Uh, you better stick with me. I really got something this time. I'll cut you in. No, thanks. You might slip and cut my throat again. Okay, if that's the way you feel about it. Hey, Toots, wait for me. Okay, what's on your mind? Listen, Toots, I've got an idea. I'm sick of your big ideas. I hang out with you and I never get a chance to take any pictures. Toots, come with me to the uh, superintendent's office. Everybody's gone out for air but the jury. Well, what do you want in the super's office? Keys, Toots. One key to be exact. The key to the broom closet. Listen, I can't take no pictures in a broom closet. Shut up, will you? I've been studying the plans of this courthouse. And I find the broom closet's got a double door. One opens into the hall, and the other opens into the jury room. And I, my friend, am going to listen at the keyhole. I get it. You scoop the verdict. Brilliant. Come on, Toots. Here's the key. All right, hurry up. Open the closet. If we're too late, I'll kill you. What do you mean? You spent four hours getting the key. Come on, come on. Open it up. It's dark in here. Close the door. It smells like old mops. Shut up. Listen. We'll vote once more. And this time, Mr. Harrow, I hope you see the light and vote guilty. I'll vote the way I like. It's 11 to 1. Holy shit. Vote for once more. Smith. Guilty. Vance. Guilty. Noise. Guilty. Adamson. Guilty. Norris. Guilty. Phillips. Guilty. Barkley. Guilty. Warburg. Guilty. Stacy. Guilty. Sorosky. Guilty. 10 for guilty, and my vote makes 11. And now, Mr. Harrow, how do you vote? I vote the way I please. I, well, I, it's guilty. Guilty. Uh, Coulter's guilty. What a scoop. Better hurry and phone that news in. That's where I'm going now. Look, Toots, the judge is out to dinner. That means the jury will have to wait in the outer room. You get in the jury room when they leave and mark the ballots, not guilty. Not guilty? What for? The jury just said he was guilty. Yeah, I know, but will you do as I tell you? Mark all the ballots not guilty and leave them lying on the table. I'm manufacturing a newsbeat for Little Miss Front Page. You mean she scoops the verdict and it's the wrong one? Right. She'll be hanging around the press room with the rest of the boys. I'll go and tip her off. Now remember, not guilty. Sorry, Spike. No news yet. Signed your dead and dying Garfield. Hey. Hey, Garfield. What do you want? Come closer. I know a secret. What secret? You'd better hurry to the jury room through the broom closet. Through the broom closet? With mm-hmm. what? With the key. Toots is there, and he's got the key. Go find Toots if you want a scoop. I'd like to believe that. Listen, go in there and read the ballots. I know the verdict, but you wouldn't believe me. Go in there and see for yourself. All right. 
Thanks, Kurt. Stop. Next three, get your express. Cold or guilty. Extra, get your star. Cola, not guilty. Next three, cold or guilty. Extra, cola, not guilty. He is so. He is not. Gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? We have. The defendant will rise and face the jury. What is your verdict, gentlemen? We find the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree. Bailiff. Yes, Your Honor. That reporter Devlin knew the verdict before it was brought to court. I want to see him in my chambers at once. Hello. Hello, Spike. Spike, I steered you wrong. Yes, cold is guilty. Yes, guilty. Signed your loving but fired Garfield. Hey, Garfield, what's the matter? What, what's it? Say, what are you crying about? Oh, I'm washed up to it. I don't need Spike Carly to tell me I haven't got a job. Oh, gee, tough luck, kid. I'm sorry. You're not as sorry as I am. Oh, I'm going over to the press cafe and drown my sorrows. Well, you can console yourself, honey. The judge just put Devlin in the can. As for you, Devlin, you look swell behind bars. You can rot in jail. I wash my hands of the entire matter. But, Lester, you, you're, you're my editor. For heaven's sake, get me out of here. No, and don't call me Lester. You brought this down on yourself. The Express disclaims all responsibility. All right, the turnkey's gone. Now what? <laughs> Fine, great stuff, kid. Congrats. You did a great job. Don't worry, we'll spring you. So long. So long. Hello, kid. Well, look who's here. What's the charge on you? Nothing. I've been fired, that's all. I'm through, washed up. Oh. Oh, I'm... I'm sorry I tripped you up in that yarn, but... After all, you should have known better than the fall for that. Well, you don't have to rub it in, Kurt. I know when I'm late. Well, I guess you're right. No job for a woman. Sure. Women make bad newspaper men. But not too bad, you lug. Look huh? at what's in this copy of the Star. Start memorizing this one. I kill Stone. Inez Cordoza, showgirl, fiancé of Colder, confesses fatal stabbing by Ellen Garfield. Say, what did you get you a know, story? Kurt... You see, I had a hunch about that uh, girl from the very beginning. I met her at the press cafe after the verdict. She was all set to break down, so I broke her down. She told me how it happened. When Coulter drew his gun, Stone grabbed it. Inez said that he'd have killed Coulter if she hadn't grabbed up that knife in desperation and let him have it. Yeah, but the fingerprints, those were Coulter's prints on that knife. Yes, but Inez was in evening dress. She had on long white gloves. And the minute she stabbed Coulter, Stone, Coulter grabbed the knife out of her hands. Well, for the love of Mike. That's the way to work. That's being a good newspaper man. You mean that? I hate to say it, but I do. Well, that's all I wanted to hear. Give in, darling. I do. Oh, darling. Nice clinch, folks. You can cut out that silly stuff now. I've got the picture. So ends Front Page Woman, starring Fred McMurray and Paulette Goddard with Roscoe Carnes. Our stars will be back in a few seconds for a personal interview. Now for a three-star final, a short session with tonight's headline makers. Here's Fred McMurray, and here also is the new star, whose brief but brilliant record is 
holding the attention today of every Hollywood studio. Uh, well, uh, CB, perhaps not uh, every studio, but um, I know what you mean, and I, I want to say it's darn white of you, and I, well, uh, <laughs> I hardly know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then suppose we skip it, Roscoe, until I finished introducing Paulette Goddard. Huh? Oh, excuse me, I'm... It's all right, Roscoe, and thank you, Mr. DeMille. But let me stay in character as a reporter for just another moment, because I'm sure it's news to many Lux listeners that you're making this broadcast from a stretcher. Oh, not just this broadcast, Paulette. It's uh, picture two. What was the disaster that swept you off your feet, Mr. DeMille? And just a little accident on the set, Miss Goddard. But it has its advantages. The cast of Union Pacific felt so sorry for me today, directing from a stretcher, that they accomplished two days' work in one. With results like that, I'm seriously considering remaining in this perambulator till the picture's finished. <laughs> Once I uh, fell for a stunt something like that, Mr. DeMille, it uh, seems he just couldn't play a scene the way the director wanted it. So finally, we drove him into such a fit of rage that he snatched his watch from his pocket and smashed it to bits on the floor. There was a dead silence as we watched him get down on his hands and knees and pick up the pieces. Tears streamed down his face as he told us that the watch was his most prized possession. His father had given it to him years before. Nothing had meant quite as much to him. The cast felt pretty bad about it, and finally the uh, director dried his tears and we went back to work. This time, of course, we played the scene perfectly, and he sent us out for lunch. As I was going out the door, an electrician stopped me and said, Don't let it get you, Fred. He whispered, uh, It was just a dollar watch. I've seen him pull that stunt a dozen times, and it's never missed yet. <laughs> yes, now, I can tell you another time that Fred failed to live up to expectations, Mr. DeMille. When he was born, his folks were hoping he'd be a girl. Well, what's wrong with that? Mine were hoping for a boy. That's why I'm Paulette, the feminine version of Paul. Yes, but they were going to call Fred Rose because he was born on St. Rose Day. Can you picture McMurray with a horticultural handle like that? You take it easy, Mr. Kahn. Fred spent the last six weeks learning to box. Yeah. After being called upon to uh, sock somebody in almost every picture he's made, they've finally given him a pair of eight-ounce gloves and turned him into a professional slugger. Do you like the idea, Fred? I like it. It uh, has a couple of good drawbacks. The uh, first of them was that I planned to take a hunting trip, and I had to forget all about that and take boxing lessons. And the second drawback is the plaid suit I've got to wear. It's got checks bigger than the first the first prize of the Irish sweepstakes. But <laughs> as I always say, that's the movies for you. So long, CB. Good night, Mr. DeMille. And many thanks for this chance to appear on a program which I listen to with so much enjoyment. Yes, me too. And I hope, Mr. DeMille, that you don't have to take it lying down much longer. Thank you, Lester. Mr. Mr. again. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know The Riley and Kimmy Show With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.